Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 71. Uh, happy to be back on air. And like all things that are live, we had some technical difficulties here uh, before, but uh, we were able to get on Wi-Fi and, and get this thing going. So uh, excited to have show number 71 kicking off and really excited to meet today's guest, uh, coming up here, Beth Huff. Uh, Beth is a principal in Missouri, and Beth is uh, the co-author of the best-selling Lead Like a Pirate um, and is doing tremendous things uh, in education. So I'm really excited to talk to Beth about some of the things going on at her school and going on in, uh, in her life. So I appreciate uh, her making the time. They're on a busy, busy day. Wait till we see uh, uh, Beth's hat that she has on because I know she wore many hats. So uh, one of the things we are trying to do on Be Live is uh, interact with our guests. So I see a couple people tuning in here. Uh, Dakota McGill, one of my, my former students is on here. I see Jay Billy is on here. So to our audience that is watching live, uh, one of the things I do want to try to do is, is work you into the show. And uh, so if you have a question or a comment for Beth, please leave that. Uh, there and we will try to get it in. So, um, also a couple of housekeeping item housekeeping items. I do want to give a shout out to today's sponsor, Catskill Marketing. Uh, they are a group that has been uh, helping me. They do a lot of marketing work, a lot of social media work, a lot of website work, and uh, basically to kind of help with all things. Uh, if you are running your own business, if you are uh, an author. Uh, things like that. They work uh, with social media management and graphic design. So do want to give a shout out to Catskill Marketing and their information is at catskillmarketing.com. Uh, you can email them at info at catskillmarketing.com and their number uh, to my friend Johnny at 845-787-3927, our friends at Catskill Marketing. So um and we are going to meet Beth Hoof coming up here, Huff coming up here. Sorry, Beth. And uh, if you heard the music to open the show, those are my friends, Old Dominion, uh, the country band. And I love Old Dominion. I love country music. And that was Stars in the City. And if you listen to the lyrics of that song, it's really, uh, I love it. It's a great song, but I played that for Beth um, because Beth is a leader that's sees stars in the city. And what do I mean by that? Beth is a principal. Beth is an author. author. Beth is a mother, right? And regardless of the situations uh, going on, whether at her home or in her life, she is someone that sees the positive in things. So it's kind of an oxymoron, right? The stars in the city, uh, in that song, they talk about things that happen to you uh, that, that 
most people will think are bad, right? He says in the lyrics, uh, you know, you spilled coffee on the jeans and the guy's complaining, but the girl says, hey, it makes them look good. It makes them look more authentic. And uh, it's just looking at the positive, positives in situations. And as leaders, that's important that we do that. Um, so I see my friend Tom Ricard is watching live here also, as well as my sister, Suzanne Carbonero. So keep those questions coming in. Uh, in addition to Stars in the City, another thing I wanted to mention is a story from one of my favorite books, Leading Narratives. And it's they're great stories. And um, in reflecting and preparing for the show, one of the stories in there is called uh, The Broken Bucket, right? And the story goes that um, a woman in a town had to go into town every day to get water. And then she brought the water back for her family. And she had two different buckets. One uh, was perfect and didn't spill any water. And the other bucket had some cracks in it. And uh, as she walked with the buckets, uh, the one with the crack would spill water, right? And it would drip water along the way. And one day the bucket said to her, listen, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not getting the job done. I'm not as good as the other bucket that you have because I, I'm leaking water and I'm, uh, I'm dropping that water. She said to the bucket, listen, you, I use you because you are so valuable. You let out just enough water each and every day to uh, feed the vegetables along the way and provide flowers along the walkway every day when I get water. So by you letting out this just enough water, you are helping the environment. You are helping me as uh, the leader of my family. So uh, the story goes, right, that bucket was doing a job and, and that woman found the good things in the crack in the bucket. Uh, a story from my friend Dan Spanauer, Leading Narratives, uh, great stories. So as a school leader, find the positives uh, in, in things that you're looking at and, and look at things from the bright side. And speaking of the bright side, there she is, folks. Uh, that is uh, hey. Beth, Beth Huff. Beth. Beth, welcome to uh, Education Leadership and Beyond. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Look forward to it. And uh, we got to chat a few minutes here, and you're a country music fan. You were just in Nashville, and uh, uh, you heard that opening concept, Beth, about being positive in our roles as school leaders. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think um, positivity is huge, and as a school leader, unfortunately, there's a lot of not great things that happen or that we have to deal with in our role, but you can always, I, there's a quote, it talks about just because you're given a cactus doesn't mean you need to sit on it. And that's really what it's about for me. And, and that every person that I have the chance to interact with every day, I want them to take, you know, as a principal, school principal, so many people take on the personality of the principal or kind of how the principal is reacting. I think Todd Whitaker says when the principal sneeze, every, everyone catches that. And I want to sneeze with awesome. I mean, that's what I want folks when they're done with me to either you know, have that positivity from them or feel like I've listened to help serve them to make their load a little lighter and just, you know, make, make it a, a better day because of the interaction they've had with me. Definitely. So, so we've had Jay Billy on the show before. Right? Jay had all his hats in the back of him and you're, <laughs> I think you're wearing those bright lights there to, to brighten the day of your middle schoolers. Or tell me about the hat you wear. Well, we have, it's been a busy day, much like so many, um, 
of going through right now is we are super short handed today. And so today we did not have our counselors. We were three lunch ladies short. We were multiple teachers short. And so today, literally my hats have been, and you know, I feel like that's really what our role as the school leader is too, is we help where we're needed. And that's how we make sure that we serve those. So today I started the day, you know, outside we do positive sign Tuesdays. And so every Tuesday we have a positive message. Tuesday is always kind of a tough day to get back into. And so today was you shine. And I got that idea from an awesome school leader, Brian McCann. He is in, uh, he's in Massachusetts. And so that's how we started the day. But then I immediately went to the role of counselor because we had kids that needed, needed that role. And then um, I had a principal of the day, a student principal of the day as well. So kept her busy helping me do all of the different things that I do um, on a normal day. And then went to the lunchroom to help with supervision and realized we were th- three lunch ladies short. So put the hairnet on, which then made this whole hair not look great. So I said, <laughs> got to put a different hat on if I'm taking the hairnet off. And then went back into the role. Um, before lunch, I, I had that chance to teach seventh grade history because the teacher needed um, got, uh, needed to leave all of a sudden. And so it's just been one of those days. Uh, we had, uh, we're doing the 12 days before winter break. And so today's day was room service. And so we had our, um, our teachers ordered room service. We kind of did the Uber Eats version of it instead of the room service sign. So they signed up for what they wanted online, like Uber Eats. And we, this afternoon, took the cart around my assistant uh, tweeted out some great uh, video of singing. And so we were able to give each staff member a snack and a drink. And the principal of the day helped me out with that, too. So being festive with the lights and, and just bringing a smile to the faces of everyone. We had a three-day weekend, so needed a little extra caffeine this afternoon, I think, for our staff. So that was that was um, our day. And it just, <laughs> like right before I got on with you, I was I had a whole office full of people. So just been, you know, just keep going. So that's our hats for today. That is unbelievable. All those things in one day. And well, we're not uh, done. We have basketball supervision tonight too. So I'm going to take a break and then go pick up the oldest son and then come back here for our, our final. We have our last home game tonight. So we'll get to do that tonight and see. Your your last home game, you're just yeah. wrapping up basketball. Huh? Up really. Yeah, we start. So in Missouri, we start um, school in August. So we start, you know, start a lot, quite a bit earlier than most of my East Coast friends. And then our middle school, we start our winter sports right after our fall sports are finished. So then we finish up before winter break. So, wow. yeah. Well, Beth, we have a lot to get into and okay. uh, um, Do I mean, you're, do, you're doing so many things. Uh, but one of the things uh, with the program that I, I, I'd like to add to is interacting with our guests live. And mm-hmm. there's a number of people watching live. One is uh, my former assistant principal uh, who now is in our neighboring school district, Tom Ricard, and he's on there. And, um, can you see the questions from where you're at? Yeah, yeah, I see Tom's question right there. Yeah. So, so what would you say to Tom there? Uh, okay. He's asking about dealing with negative situations, specifically the assistant principals, which Definitely. have to deal with a lot of discipline. So what would you say to that? Well, I feel this is a subject I feel super passionate about. When well, my first role, this is my 11th year as an administrator. I was a, a elementary principal for seven years, and this is my fourth year as principal. So I've never been an actual assistant principal, but I felt like in elementary when I was by myself, I did everything. So I think that's helped me. I don't, I personally don't believe it's right to have specific delinea, delineated roles for assistant and principal. Like today, my assistant and I were, we did as many, we, we, we wore so many hats. I don't feel it's fair to her to have to deal with all the negative all the time. So we are very intentional about making sure today with the, with Woo Woo Eats, I mean, she was there rolling the carts with me, handing out the treats. She actually was the one that kind of organized it more. Uh, we also do positive referrals. So we have the negative referrals and we have a lot of them. I'm not, we're not even going to lie about that. Cause there are a lot of, um, we've had a lot of, this has been a, 
particularly challenging year with behaviors, uh, much more than any of my other 11. And so um, I don't want to make it seem as though we don't have any issues here at all, because we definitely have things we've worked through. But I make sure that I'm a teammate with her and make sure she and I both do uh, teacher evaluations. We both give positive feedback and, you know, growing feedback. We, we do all of the roles together. Um, when we when we uh, when you see pictures of us, it's usually us together versus sometimes in the past, it's been just me. Or when I see other principals, sometimes I see the assistant not being able to be a part of that. And I, I feel like every single day, part of my role is making sure that I keep her bucket full as well, because it is, it's hard to get hammered with the discipline. She does the majority. I mean, she still does. I mean, she's 60, I'm probably 40, but like today, you know, we had lunch drama, girl drama at lunch, which is not unlike most middle schools. And so um, we made sure that we, I worked through the issue when I got it. So it's not that I give her all of that. Um, so I think that's important is really as, as the principal, I've got to make sure that I am not making the assistant have all of the stuff that's not fun. Also, my role too, she's going to be a principal someday. That's what, that's her ultimate, her ultimate goal may be higher than that too, but she is going to be an amazing principal someday. But I, unless I give her opportunities to do all parts of our roles, you know, she can't, she, she's not going to get to get there as much. So, so definitely, I think that would be, I think another thing as well, um, just making sure she gets the chance to do the positives. The positive referrals are great. Our teachers refer all day long, the positive things that are happening. And I have a blog post specifically that I've written on that. We have a, we actually do this on paper. So the teachers, when they see a kid going above and beyond, they write the, we have a template the teachers write it out and then they send the child to the office with the positive referral. And so today I had the chance to, inter to intercept a couple of them, but she gets to do the majority of those because it helps with the negative balancing that out. Um, having a kid come down for a positive, especially in middle school, being able to call home on a positive in middle school is definitely a great thing too. And then we display those in our front hallway too, just to one more way of, of building that positive school culture. As soon as you walk in, the first thing you see is our, our brag board that we have with our positive referrals. So hope that answered it a little bit. I can get a little wordy sometimes. So you just cut me off if I get too much. <laughs> Listen, you're the award-winning principal there. So we're, <laughs> we're going to let you go. So you, you already answered the next question then too, because I was going to ask you about, you know, what is the culture in your school and what are some changes uh, that you've implemented to get to that culture? And you just named six or seven things that you're doing each and every day to create that. Um, because I've heard of, right, mailing home letters before and positive notes and calling home, but putting them on the board too, the, the, the uh, brag board. I love it. I'm yeah, going to take it and bring it here to New York. That's great. <laughs> but, but tell me a little bit more about the culture in your school and specifically some things that you and your leadership team are intentional in doing to, to bring that culture to your school. Well, I think you brought up a huge point, and that's the leadership team. Um, when I was moved here, uh, I was moved here specifically um, to to work on, I don't know that turnaround's the right word because there were a lot of great things going on, but we needed to make some big changes. We had some big data changes we had to make as well, but culture was the number one thing. When I when I speak, um, when I, I had the chance, I was out in Delaware last week and I was talking a little bit about my journey as a principal and, you know, the first school that I was at, when we had changes we had to make with data, I really looked at data and standardization to make the changes. The second school, culture was the first thing. And we were able to make so many changes more quickly because culture was the focus. And when you work on culture first, culture next, culture always, you're, you almost, you like, you set that breeding ground up for amazing things to happen. Whereas when you're so like focused and honed in on only data, 
you know, that's not, especially in middle school, like it's, that's the last thing the kids want to talk to you about is, is that type of stuff. So like figuring out how can we build that school culture? I want to be here. The kids are wanting to be here. The students are wanting to, or the staff are wanting to be here. The parents want to be here. When you have a positive experience, then you can actually make data, you know, data can have, be part of that conversation a little bit more. But when you talk about the leadership team, that's huge for me. Um, I had a teacher leader that I was talking to this weekend and I said, you don't understand the power that you have as a teacher leader because I can have things and, and try to make things happen from me. But when I have co like colleagues helping build that culture makes such a bigger difference, I think, within the school. So having not only teacher leaders, but then student leaders, you know, our we have we have some specific intentional ways that our students lead as well. One of our quotes that Shelly and I share all the time is people are less likely to break down walls that they help build. And that's to me so big is that if you can have folks really owning not buy-in. I don't love to hear buy-in because to me that sounds like we're selling cars and that's not what it's about here. It's true ownership. It's true commitment to, to what's happening in our school. Then it works more. When we just make decisions and there's not a lot of ownership in them, whether it be for staff or with students, it's not going to happen. And I can give um, my assistants on there right now too. There she is. I said, if you'd like to um, creep on and like tell them what it really is as I talk, go ahead and get on here. So Erica Hogan is right there. <laughs> there she um, goes. You know, but whenever, for example, we had uh, we were looking at data system changes, we used one specific program, we weren't getting really we were noticing that a child would take the benchmark test, score one thing one hour and another like two grade levels different the next hour. And we really weren't getting good data. And so we said we want to change. But we also have to have some we have to have student ownership. And so we brought in the, the rep from the company. She sat down with our student um, student council president, as well as one of our teachers. They were like the gatekeepers first, where if they liked it, then we were going to bring it into more folks. And so they completely were all about it. We brought it in and had student focus teams around it. So the kids came in with the sales rep. The sales rep was like, we've never had kids that we've had to talk to. They're like the hardest customers. I said, they're the ones that are going to be using it, though. So why are we not asking their input on our curriculum decisions, on our assessment decisions? And so uh, so it was really neat. Now, when we when we put it, when we implemented the first time, they're like, never mind. This is way too hard. I said, I know, but this is what you guys want. And we're going to we're going to use this and it'll get a little easier as we go each time. But just again, having kids be a voice with our uh, we're a PBIS school. So we have. Um, it's just, you know, and again, it's not a program. I'm not a programs person. It's people that make changes, not programs. Um, but it's a structure that we utilize. And so, but we have kid voices in on every single part of that of like, okay, so if we do a good thing, like what are the rewards you want? But it's not even about the rewards as much as it is, is what should our expectations be at our school? And, you know, they help bring that to life. So those are just a couple of examples, but it's not just me. Um, when leaders talk to me about things, like when leaders say, hey, how do I make change happen more quickly? Well, you got to get you got to get a solid team in place to help make the change happen and, and making sure that you're listening to all voices and then making sure that you're really looking at different ways of making decisions that that include those voices for sure. It also means and this is this is hard, but it also means confronting in a professional way those that are culture killers. And so, some, um, you know, those it's not an easy, you know, 11 years in, I still don't wake up and say, man, I really hope I can have a difficult conversation with an adult today. <laughs> like, that is not, <laughs> that is not what I want. But I also know the longer I let that toxicity happen, the longer it, po the more it poisons. Like, unfortunately, that's the thing I wish I knew my first year as an administrator is I can sit down and say, hey, when you do this, this happens. And, and it's not okay. It's not okay for that to happen to our, you know, to our staff. So there's just a couple, couple examples of the things that we do. 
and Beth, just listening to you talk, you can tell that you're excellent at your job. And this is this is <laughs> great. Like <laughs> well, <laughs> for those listening, I mean, just all the things you're saying. So give me a specific example, right? Because I work in public education also. And um, as I tell people around here, my father owned his own pharmacy, right? If he wanted to go out and paint the outside of the pharmacy blue, he did it because right. it was his pharmacy. Uh, we don't live in that world. Um, Tell me a specific example of, of a culture killer, right? Something, not the person, but what the action or the behavior. And then what was that conversation like? So I think um, some of the biggest culture killers that I've noticed are just um, negativity about kids. Um, so just negative talk about kids, um, negative assumptions about kids. Something mm. that I've always been, and, and this is something from the very beginning, I've had the honor of, of being the principal of my own children. My son, my oldest, my 14-year-old, my freshman, I was his principal all through elementary and then I moved up with him to middle school. So as you can imagine, that was a great thing for him. Bless his heart. <laughs> so this is his first year without me, but the way I, the way I look at it is, and I, and I've always explained this as guys, like you need to understand whatever kid you're talking about in the lounge, I'm going to just substitute Paul Huff's name in there and assume that you're talking about my own child. Like that's not how we talk about kids around here. Same thing is we're talking about um, the adults in our campus. Like we're all in this together. We're also like really having that conversation about that. Um, it's been very helpful to have our building norms. And I know a lot of places have norms and norms are just things you put on the wall that don't mean anything, but they really, really are meaningful here. And we call each other out on them and it's hard. That's another thing though, is it can't be the principal, cannot be the only person kind of goes back to the question that was, that was out there earlier that Tom asked is like, I can't be the only person calling, like holding our staff to a high standard. We have, we spent in three year, we're a professional learning community school as well. Missouri has statewide training that we do. That's, that's modeled on the work of the DeFores. And so when we went through that, our first two years, we spent specifically what is our mission and what's our vision. And then what are our collective commitments that we commit to to make that happen? So, for example, I mean, one of our collective commitments is risk taking. It doesn't sound quite like that. I'm looking back at my, my list is behind me. But we have, you know, our, with, with that is that we're willing to push each other. We're not going to stay status quo. And but we're always going to go back to like we're not just going to be it's calculated risks, too. We're not just going crazy and out there wild. We're making sure that they're calculated sure. risks. Sure. Another one of our norms is um, telling our story of our school through social media. Um, that was one of the negative things that, that had happened with our school is that people were telling our story, but they weren't telling our story. They were telling the story they thought was happening. And so that was one of the very first things we had to do was figure out how to tell our story. And at first I was the chief storyteller. I had to be, but they wanted me to be. And, and that's another thing I share with leaders is that, you know, it's great to lead from behind. There are times you need to do that. And I'm blessed that I'm in a position now where I lead from behind more often than not. But when I first moved roles, I needed to lead from the front and they needed me to lead from the front. They told me they needed me to lead from the front. And then I would, I really have to think about, do I need to be at the side right now? Do I need to be in the back? Do I need to be in the front? And as leaders, we have to realize we can't just say, oh, I'm going to be back here in the back when you need to be in the front line. You know, whenever there's crisis situations and things like that. I, I go right to the front. I don't, I'm not like, okay, you guys figure that out. I'm back here. I'll, I'll get a chip from back here. So from with that piece of social media, really making sure that I started to model that, but then our teachers got right in there. And now our parents and our students actually help us tell our story as well, um, which has been, which has been a great thing to have happen. This is a great journey you're on, Beth. You're certainly in the right place. Um, 
And again, I, I'd like to talk a little now about the journey uh, that you're on uh, with Lead Like a Pirate and, and the book you wrote uh, with Shelly Burgess. Um, this is a tremendous book. Uh, it is going to be our book recommendation uh, for today uh, and the whole um, Teach Like a Pirate series. Um, but Beth, before we jump into that, again, uh, if you are watching live, uh, put a question up there. Miss Hogan, you work with Beth. Uh, put a question up there for her. Uh, Ted Dabney is a local uh, business owner. He talked about a culture of positivity uh, there and, and uh, you know, it, it's a winning team. So, um, but you, you, you know, this, your journey at your school is, is, is great. Tell me about this other journey you're on and, and uh, what, it, what has it been like uh, with the success of the book that you wrote here? Well, I think for me, it's been just kind of a little surreal with that. I never I thought of myself as an author. I never that was nothing that I wasn't a button or a bucket list item for me. I, I don't even consider myself a writer. So sometimes I have to remember that positive self-talk stuff that I always tell the kids all the time. Um, so I and I, I've shared this story a lot. I share it in the beginning of the book, but. I was a person in, in 2014 who was ready to leave the field of education. I was struggling. Um, mm -hmm. I, I kind of was in, had hit a wall. I, as I shared a little bit, I was really, um, I came up as an administrator in time of no child left behind my first school two weeks before I started, found out we were a failing school and I had to send out letters to all the parents in our community. We, were, we're, we only have three elementaries in our, in our district. So as you can imagine, sending a letter home that says, hey, your child goes to a failing school, feel free to go to one of these other schools. That was not um, a culture builder at all. So um, I, you know, I, I immediately went to test scores and how are we going to get these test scores? And, you know, we assessed everything that walked, I felt like, and fell into that trap of what, uh, where we were educationally at that time. And I didn't have the confidence in myself as a leader yet to say, hey, this doesn't make sense to do this. Like, why are we doing this to kids right now? Um, 2014, we really had, we, we came off the list. We were one of the first schools off the list. And and really our school was a, was a good school. I, I, I think it was, my son was there. I felt proud of my school. I felt proud of being the principal there, but I was really burn out. And so I went to a principal conference in Nashville. I, I really was, like I said, contemplating leaving, but I was ready to go to a conference in Nashville and had the chance. I went to one of the, the corporate parties that they had for principals and get in line for notches and wings. And the person in front of me that I meet is Jay Billy. And so I am, Jay sits with his, he has a group from New Jersey. I have a group from Missouri. We sit there and we visit and he said, you know, he heard my story. He's like, I don't think you're burnt out. I just think, you know, his, he's like, do you, are you on Twitter? And I said, I have a Twitter, but I don't know what to do with it. And I really like, I, I followed the same people that were in the Twitter workshop with me that when I learned about Twitter and he took my phone from me and he said, you're not following the right people. And so he, he, he said, here, Todd Whitaker, he's, he's on Twitter 24 seven and you can learn from him and all of the others. And, he, and Dave Burgess was another one that he said, Hey, have you heard of teach like a pirate? I said, Kind of snarkily at that point, I was like, I've heard of all of the teach likes. Why should teach like a pirate be any different? And he said, no, you really, he's like, you don't understand. I really think this is kind of what's wrong with you right now is you've lost your passion for what you do and your enthusiasm is gone because you're not aligned with your passion. And so I actually went back after um, I got back to my room and I Googled teach like a pirate and I found a blog post by Shelly Burgess and I saw just her talking about all of these things the passion, the immersion, the rapport, the asking, analyzing, transformation, enthusiasm through the eyes of an administrator. And I said, yes, as soon as I made that shift, you know, and I immediately got slammed with bad news. I went into what I thought a principal should be instead of how I could lead like me. And 
I listened to Dave speak nice. and I know you've had Dave on the show and Dave has so much energy and so much so positivity much and so much crazy in him that he's so proud to just like let out there that I'm like, why am I not being my real me? So came back to school that fall and just, you know, on fire. And we had an amazing year. So amazing to where my my superintendent was like, Hey, why, why don't you move up to middle school? And so, um, so it, it, reluctantly I did come to middle school and that, but as I was doing that, I met Shelly and Dave all online, you know, like I had not met them in real life. And Shelly and I became very, very close friends immediately with our leadership. We have very similar philosophies. And then Dave and I are very close friends because of our teaching like pie. And that's how I taught when I was in the classroom. Probably not quite like Dave, but close. And so Shelly said, you know, um, how about we write this book? And I said, that sounds great. And we, we ended up writing on Google docs before we even met in person. And it was just a way to really kind of, they've been, people have been asking for that leadership side of TLAP for a long time. And I had had the opportunity to take it into the leadership role, the TLAP and leadership role. And so, so we actually, we wrote our presentations first, which is kind of how Dave did it as well. So we got out there and did presentations for Emily and other, other organizations. And then um, just locally as well, Missouri has a lot of great support for for the lab and and then we were able to take all of that and then get it into the book and really the book what's been neat is it's just been an archive of our journey but then an archive of like all these resources because that's something that shelly and i feel we don't ever want a principal to feel alone we don't ever want a school leader to feel like that they don't have a support system and that's really kind of what our goal was was developing lead lab is we've got a group of people that we're always welcoming new folks in that you got, we got your back. Like we're here for you. We're ready to support you. We're a phone call away. We're a plane ride away, whatever we need to do to help you understand that what we're doing as school leaders is life-changing work and that we don't ever want anyone to ever feel like they want to change careers because they don't have that support. Well, and uh, you know, people that advice, give advice about writing books, write something that you know about or write something that you're good at. And you could tell the way it comes out in here. And again, just listening to you talk. Um, but, for something that you did collaboratively online, this is unbelievable. Um, if if I could only open to one page or one section, because there's so many good things in here, but if I could only pick one, what do you think is the most important part oh. of the book or your favorite part of it? That's the hard one for me. Somebody asked me that the other day, and I'm like, it's like picking between my two kids. Like, which one's my favorite? <laughs> Whichever one's in front of me is what I always tell the kids. But like for me, I think, I mean, the passion's what I'm always going to go back to because when you can't fake passion, you can't fake what you're passionate about. And when you know, and when you're really in tune with what you're passionate about as a leader and as a person personally as well, then it makes it so like, it really makes everything else come to life for you. A close second would be that transformation piece. Because I think within education, we, well, not just education, like just in general, like we just keep doing things because that's the way we've always done them. And so like, for me, it's always about, okay, is this, how could we do this better? How could we, how could we kick this up a notch? Why are we continuing to do this when this makes no sense? Or the kids don't like the, like, it's not about liking, but it's about, this isn't an effective practice. Why do we keep doing it? So that transformation piece is huge for me as well. Great. Uh, Beth, is there something coming up next? Uh, there's so much going on, uh, you know, with lead like a pirate and, and uh, hashtag TLAP teach like a pirate, mm -hmm. you know, the stuff online on Twitter that you guys put out is, I mean, it's it's unbelievable, right? Uh, I'm doing a training at my school coming up here about you know PLN and and getting on Twitter and using it, and you guys are going to be uh, uh, you know my main focus. Uh, but what do you have coming up next uh, with your group? 
Well, so one thing that I feel super passionate about is amplifying the voices of other leaders. I'm similar to what you do as well is like taking time to really recognize those other leaders that are going above and beyond and are have that foundational pieces of Lead Lab. And so like for us, it's been starting a line of Lead Lab guidebooks. And so you featured Jay Villy before and Jay was our very first author. Um, Jay kind of brought up me together with the Burgesses, which which was great. But Jay Jay is unbelievable about building positive school culture. And so his book, Lead with Culture, was the first in our series. The idea behind that series was how do we, someone asked, what chapter was missing from Lead Lab? And I'm like, well, you know, the way we've taken that is Lead Lab was kind of the, the thick uh, book on leadership. And then now people that have read that, they already understand the foundational pieces. How can we give them smaller books that are a little bit easier to read, like not as long because school leaders are like, I got this, I've got this much time. I don't have time yeah. to read a 300 page book, yeah. but pick up Jay's book. And you know, Jay's book is such a, it's also very inspirational. So you can sit and read it an hour and a half and you're done and you have 150 ideas that you can take back and use. So that was really what our goal was in our lead lab guide was to amplify the voices of amazing leaders and then get some strategies in the hands of leaders that might, you know, I need some ideas for culture. Oh, here we go. I need some ideas for literacy and leading with literacy. Mandy Ellis's book, um, Lead with Literacy, Balancing, like balance, which is not a real thing, but that's what our, our ladies in, in um, our balance like a pirate talk all about is how do we actually find a good balance and uh, that's our third series third book in the series the fourth book is going to be released very soon and it's called lead beyond your titles i think we're still playing around with that one but it's written by neely bartley neely is a technology integration coach slash teacher in boston and she talks about leading when your title may not like like implicate that you're a leader because so many folks don't consider themselves a leader from the teacher role but you can make such amazing things happen when you're leading in that teacher role i think you can make change happen a lot quicker when you actually are considered a teacher or a teacher leader because people listen to you differently at that point so can't wait so that's kind of for us like what we're looking and then we have multiple other lead like a pirate guides out in the works right now as well that will be coming out. Uh, we try not to overpopulate, you know, but like every couple of months we want to be able to release another one or something like that as well. Cool. Beth, you talked about the story of when you met Jay and, and the, the energy of Nashville that, that kind of re-sparked your, your career and your, your, your uh, you know, being into it with what you were doing. But how about now? You're, you're three years out, four years out from that experience. How do you continue to sharpen the saw? I mean, you have young children, uh, middle school can be draining. How, what do you do to re-energize or sharpen your own saw? Well, I think what's I think for me really it's it's been interesting because I'm a person that goes 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 like I don't stop for very long. And one thing this year I've really worked uh, that I feel like our staff and that we need is a lot of mindfulness too of how do we make sure we don't burn out? Like, how do we make sure that we truly are taking care of ourselves? And so I've been super intentional as a leader to bring, to really listen to the voices of our staff too, of that, hey, we knew, we're not sure how to deal uh, with the effects of trauma in our students sometimes, but just that whole, the, 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 that compassion fatigue that our, that our staff is feeling. And that sometimes I don't realize I have that because I don't ever sit still long enough to realize, oh my gosh, this is what it's, you know? Um, so for me, it's, it's really been looking like, understanding that we've got to make sure as leaders to acknowledge and give strategies to our staff. Like yesterday during our professional development day, we had a counselor that came in and worked with us on, all right, so self-care, let's talk about self-care. And as leaders, what are we doing to make sure that we are 
being mindful of our self-care. And it doesn't always just mean yoga and breathing. I mean, it can be so many other things as well. For me, it's like, I like to connect socially to my friends. So making sure that I'm taking time, I enjoy social media, social media. Like I don't feel like that is something that that can be, um, I shouldn't say like, I enjoy certain parts of social media. I still don't love like Facebook is not my favorite thing in the world, but I've realized it's a great tool for me to reach families and things like that. It's a way that my in-laws know that I keep my, my kids alive for them, but, <laughs> but I'm not a fan of like all the drama that social media can have, but which is why I'm a huge advocate of using it in positive ways with kids so they can sure. see we can use it for positive ways. But for me, like I, I don't love to work out, but like I make myself run or I make myself walk or I make myself go. I love being outside. So I do like to do that, but that's one way I keep myself kind of sharp in the saw. I love to hang out with my friends. Like I went to Nashville for friends for Neely's actually for, birthday took time to just laugh and have fun with friends and then connect with my you know it's been great because like jay is a perfect person to be able to share uh, like the struggles and positive things with you know finding you kind of your you know your principal twins and and having those conversations well and of course my kids i mean my kids with all of the things that they do um but we just take a lot of time just to hang out too we live on a 300 acre farm so just Whoa. wandering through the farm and fishing and doing those type of things too i just making time for that. Cool. Cool, Beth. You got a lot lot going on. Um, we are going to get to rapid fire uh, okay. before that, but uh, my sister is on here watching. She's a fan of yours, Suzanne Carbonero. She's the Director of Assessment from the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy. Um, and so a question for Suzanne, you know, all the positive cultures you're doing, all those things you're doing, and you know, we kind of call it the headline test, right? Because those things, or a lot of those things, don't make the headline of the newspaper. It's those those test scores and those assessments. So, how do you balance that um, to make sure that the kids are high achieving? And you are, you know, you, you never want to be at the bottom of those lists, right? You're looking at right. those numbers, and like you mentioned about data. So, tell me about just real quickly, how do you balance that with those? those state tests, certainly with the younger kids, with that anxiety and all of that kind of stuff. How do you manage that? Well, I think, you know, just knowing kind of the climate of the our country right now, it's, it's interesting. Each, each place is a little different. In the Midwest, I mean, there is a testing stigma, but our state specifically, we've gone through standard, like a lot of changes in our standards. So we've gone through three versions of a test in the past. Like I, since I've been a principal, I believe like it's been four versions now. So wow. we've learned that we can't chase test scores. Like we can't, like we just last week, week before last, I guess, got our results back from last year's test. Year today. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, and we it's still embargoed, so I haven't been able to share, like, I don't even have specific like breakdowns or item bench. So like, I, I can't use that to do much right now. So what I can though, is we use live assess. Like to me, it means how do we make sure that we have stellar assessment practices happening daily so that when I meet with my board of education, I show them our local data that is nationally normed as well. Like we use NWEA as our assessment. And so we work with that to show like, okay, so here's where we are. Here's how it relates to our standards and here's what we're doing about it. Um, we are a standards-based grading school. So our kids actually have e data binders that they utilize. They have um, objective based on there. So they, like I was in an ELA classroom today where they were going through, okay, here's our proficiency scale on this. And so the kids were actually, they go in and they keep track of their proficiency targets towards their objective goals that will then be on their grade card too. So it's, it's more about like, the state test means more when to me, when you don't have all of those other things going on, but when folks can see that you are tracking data that's meaningful daily, 
and then making sure that a school is a place because like you said you don't there's not really a standardized test there's never a standardized testing on, on culture like you're not going to have that there's not that's just not what we do right so it's like you know how that's why the piece of telling our story and showing the great things that we're doing showing the hard work and the hard let like the lessons that are living our mission through our social media so parents realize hey we are working every single day so uh, when test scores come out, it's not, you know, and we're one middle school in our town. So really, we don't have comparison groups as much. So I think that that's a little bit of it. Um, for me, though, I'm not I mean, for anyone that listens to me speak, I'm not uh, I'm not I don't I'm not driven by test scores because I know I, I don't want to stress kids out so much. I have no idea what I scored on my middle school tests. And here I am. And I think sometimes we've been so uber focused on that. There are so many other ways we could have hold schools accountable than one single test measure. And so I think sometimes when you hold a measure so high, um, I think it can uh, just it's a culture killer. So I think we use that to inform a lot, you know, look at what we're doing. But like I can't now we've got three months, three and a half months until we test again. So I don't even know what I'm supposed to do for three months, you know, to, to do there. You got so, to so you put, di put a different hat on. You, right. you should be judged on how many different hats you wear in one day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, middle schoolers are already dealing with a lot. They don't need that extra pressure of um, you have to do well or else, you know, that's not, that's not a healthy thing. So figuring out how to balance that. Beth, we're running out of time. You uh, uh, you're doing an amazing job. You, you're doing a great job of your school just yep. listening to you. Um, let's get to rapid fire, Beth. Right. These are the, the things that come right off the top of your head. Your quick okay. answer. Um, last book you read. Last book I read was The Boy That Was Raised as a Dog. It was an excellent okay. book. I, don't have, I can't remember the author, but it was written by a, a psychiatrist, and it was all about his clinical studies and of kids and trauma and then what he would do to help, help the kids overcome the – massive trauma that they endured so great book last movie you saw the grinch the new version with my youngest okay uh favorite place to travel oh i just went to alaska in october it's probably one of my new favorites i love hawaii though too so two of my favorites <laughs> two, know, extremes right? there. two extremes two <laughs> extremes but i think that's yeah. what's cool it's like the cultures are very similar though because they're extreme and they're just different so love that love love both of those places best thing about being a middle school principal I love the kids. I mean, the kids are so goofy, just like me. I think they make me feel a little more normal. So I think that just the every day is a new day and then every minute in the day is a new day. And I really feel like um, middle schoolers are not, I think in society, we, we don't give them a lot of credit. We think that they're not the most you know positive all the time. And they're just, middle schoolers are amazing. They're amazing kids. So, and the people that choose to work with them are pretty darn awesome too. <laughs> Most famous, and, uh, and forgive me for saying this incorrectly, okay. Missourians? Someone from Missouri? Is it Missourian? Yeah, I think that would be famous Missourians. That's what when I taught fourth grade, we would do this. Um, okay. Wow. There's so many famous Missourians. Um, but I think probably, I don't know. I keep thinking Nelly and I shouldn't say that, but my son, whenever it was famous Missourian time, when he was in fourth grade, he dressed up like Nelly, the rapper. I'm like, Oh my gosh, of all the people of it. Hey, there you go. He is from St. Louis. So there you go. Harry S. Truman is cool. probably the more rep reputable answer to that one, right? <laughs> well, we visited uh, St. Louis and Kansas City uh, for the past two summers and had a great experience. So uh, uh, we enjoyed it. Um, you talked a lot about motivation today. What is something that motivates you? Something that motivates me. I think, like again, I go back to my biggest why are my kids. Like I want to, I want to make sure that I am still leading schools that that I'm proud to send my own kids to. And so I think that's, that's, a, that's, they're my biggest motivators every single day. 
I love that. We, that's one of our philosophies. Treat every kid as if they're your kid. And you you said, hey, this is, sub that name in for my son. Yep, so that's great. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Beth, besides your job and your family, what is something that you are most proud of? Well, I think um, I don't, cons well, it's hard because Lead Lab to me is part of what I do here, but I think I'm super yeah. proud to have been able to help cultivate and and grow our Lead Lab community and offer that support for for our other school leaders and whatever whatever hat they may wear is um I think that's I'm super proud to be part of that. And again, she's talking about lead like a pirate. Uh, if you don't have it, go out and get it. I'm covering her name up there. Sorry, Beth. Uh, but this <laughs> okay. is it. And uh, uh, great book. Um, you know, that's your son on the cover there, right? Is that him dressed up like a pirate? No, that's me with my pirate boot there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, Short-term personal goal: three to five months. Um, I think for me, it's just keep doing what I'm doing. I principle like principling like a pirate for three to five months. I mean, that's doing what I'm doing. I think that's best thing ever. Long-term goal, three to five years. Three to five years. I really like, I, I really enjoy doing what I'm doing. I like being with kids. I love being a principal. I love speaking, you know, as I can, but I don't speak. I speak every once a month, maybe, but I, I tend to keep that pretty limited uh, because I, I love being here, but I also be, I love being able to, have the perspective of a practicing principal when I'm speaking. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard when you're not doing that, that work to be able to speak to, I mean, you still can, but it's just, it makes it a little bit harder and relevancy can be a little bit harder. So um, I think right now I don't have any goals to, to do anything different than I'm doing right now. Cool. Beth, uh, you've, you've helped so many, you know, how can people get in touch with you and, or how can they follow you on social media? Alrighty. So I think the easiest way is to um, through two forms. The um, Twitter is probably the easiest. Um, and it's just at Beth Huff, just like my name is spelled on the book at B-E-T-H-H-O-U-F. Um, also um, email, my personal email account is pretty easy way to get a hold of me too. And it's Beth Huff at gmail.com. So. Okay. Well, uh, you uh, did tremendous uh, today. I appreciate it. You going to a basketball game tonight. Yes, I'm going to go. I have a, my eight-year-old is running around here somewhere. So I'm going to check on him, make sure he's fed. And then we have, we have our, like I said, our last home game tonight. So get a chance to be around our families and our kids a little bit more. So basketball hat and mom hat you're putting yes. on. So that's like six or seven hats today. Exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to cue our song back up. Uh, Beth, thanks for seeing the stars in the city. Thanks for doing a great job for our kids. And thank you for coming on uh, Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, Beth, we're going to keep in touch. Uh, this is Beth Huff, everyone, uh, award-winning principal and author. Beth, thanks so much uh, for coming on. We'll cue this music up here, and uh, um, you know, my best to you, okay? All right, sounds good. All right, thanks for All tuning right. in, everyone. Continue to go out and change the world uh, for the better. Down on 42nd Street, almost hit another car. Spilled my coffee on my jeans, and I said, Oh, they're ruined now. She said,